What a great celebration we're here to celebrate today. So glad that you're with us, Homestead Community Church. If you're a first-time visitor, my name is Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I pastor this church. We've been here in Farmington for about two years, and it is wonderful to celebrate Easter Sunday with you, the celebration of Jesus rising again, celebrating life and victory today. I wanted to start out this morning's sermon with a scripture from Matthew, the gospel account of that morning 2,000 years ago. Um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10 as we get started this morning. Um, Matthew 28, verse 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, you can turn there and follow along. The words will be up on the screen if you want to follow along as well. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. I was reading that this week, and I thought that other Mary's got to be a little, feeling like she got a little gypped, right, in the scripture recognition department. Which Mary are you? Are you Mary Magdalene? No, oh, you're the other Mary. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. I think that was them. I don't think they died. I think they just realized we were a play dead, and maybe this angel will leave us alone. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I, told, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. What a great morning. What a great celebration. I love that account of that morning, that celebration, those women going to the tomb. And here's the deal. Nobody was expecting an empty tomb. You would have think that there would have been some people who maybe had read some Old Testament prophecies or maybe there was a couple people that weekend who were thinking, well, I remember Jesus saying a couple things about he would go and then he'd come back. Um, and maybe there was a couple that maybe in the back of their mind, but really nobody was expecting that moment, that morning, certainly not those women who went to the tomb, to find an empty tomb. They were going to prepare the body for burial because they didn't get a chance to because of all the chaos on that day when Jesus was crucified, he was rushed and put into a tomb. And there it was, an empty tomb. How that changed everything. Before that morning... And I mentioned this on Friday night as we were here for a Good Friday service. Before that morning, everybody thought that this was over. This Jesus movement, this idea of believing in him that he was the Messiah, it ended on that Friday when Jesus died on the cross for everybody. They thought it was over. So that morning, that Sunday morning, the disciples were basically in hiding. They were fearful that they were next. They thought, well, the same people that came and got Jesus, they're coming for us next because we were always the ones with Jesus. Judas had betrayed Jesus. Peter had denied Jesus. That morning really was a dark 
morning. This would have been a couple of days after the worst moment that they had experienced. Their Savior and Lord, their King, their Messiah, whom they thought was their Messiah, had been crucified, and they thought it was over. And these disciples had to have been, I mean, imagine their their feelings that weekend or those days. This was the Messiah. They had poured three years of following him. Their whole life they had given up to follow this Jesus, this Messiah. And now what? Now Jesus was gone. They watched him die. Now what? Do they go back to their old life? Do they, what do they do? Do they hide? Do they, they were fearful. They were dejected. They were discouraged. They didn't know what to do. They thought it was the end. I'm sure they were thinking, how do we go back to our normal life now? We, after all we'd seen Jesus do, after all we'd heard him teach, how do we go back to normal life? How do we go back to being tax collectors and fishermen and what we were doing before? But imagine being there, those disciples in that room when those ladies showed up. After going to the tomb, those ladies come running in. Guess what? <laughs> you know, we went to the tomb. The tomb is empty. Guess what we saw? We saw an angel, the empty tomb. Guess who we saw after that? Jesus himself. He said to go to Galilee. There you're going to meet him. I would love to be in that, in that room in that moment. Because there would have been so many mixed emotions from those disciples hearing this. Even the ladies who saw Jesus, they were running away, and the scripture says they were conflicted. They were afraid, yet filled with joy. Imagine those disciples hearing this. Imagine, I mean, I'm sure there was a few that were skeptical at best. Maybe a few that were really hoping, but guarded for sure that they didn't want to let their hopes get up one more time. I'm sure there was people who thought, oh, these, these ladies are always making up crazy stories. Here they go again, right? You know, maybe there was a few like that. But imagine in that room, those ladies showing up. We saw Jesus. Jesus has risen. And then we know the disciples started going, and the disciples began a few at a time, encountering Jesus, Jesus appeared to them. And we know that Jesus appeared over the next few weeks to over 500 people. Jesus had risen. So I focus on this. Look at the change that happened in those disciples. Afraid, fearful, hiding, doubting, skeptical, dejected, discouraged. It was over. And within a matter of days, on fire, preaching about a risen Messiah, willing to give their life, as most of the disciples ended up doing over the years to come. Most of them would be killed for their faith. But look at that change. Look at that change. Peter, who had so recently just denied knowing Jesus, even knowing Jesus, now, all of a sudden, within a matter of a few weeks, leading this new movement, this new church, preaching thousands of people coming to faith in this risen Messiah, and this would continue on and continue on. This really was the start of the Christian church. That day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus rose, that was the start. Before the resurrection, everybody thought it was over. And we know the cross paid the price for our sins. But as far as their human thinking, it was over. But then when they saw risen Messiah, risen King, 
it changed everything. And now that church, that movement began, and people began to spread the word that Jesus was alive, that that Jesus who was crucified rose again. He is Lord, and he is king, and people would tell others, and people would tell others. And then persecution broke out against the church, so everybody scattered. And all that did was cause this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be scattered throughout the known world. And it began to spread and spread, and people would pass it on and pass it on. And that leads to us today. We are here. This church that we are a part of is because Jesus rose that morning, and we celebrate that. Over the last five weeks at Homestead Church, maybe you're just visiting first time today. And if you are, I hope you feel welcome. We're glad that you're here. We are a a community of people that just welcomes you here, and we're just together growing in our faith Um, We love being a community together. Um, As a part of this church over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of salvation and what it means that Jesus saved us. And so we talked with the idea. We started with this. And if you are part of this, maybe you have all these kind of steps memorized by now. Everything is broken. We started with that. Sin has entered the world, and our relationship with God is broken. And then we can't fix it. We like to think that we can behave well, do enough good deeds. We can't fix it. And Christie spoke on how it was because of the love of God that he has for his people, that desire to have a relationship restored with his people, that he sent Jesus to die for us. So that relationship is restored. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our sin has been paid for, and that relationship is restored. And then today, we really wrap up this whole idea of salvation and good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ with the good news that he is risen. I know we're Minnesotans, and we like to be quiet in church, but maybe we could just say amen to he is risen, right? Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is risen. A living Savior. Death is defeated. That song Lucy sang, death was arrested And our lives began. Sin is defeated. That power of sin over us is defeated. There is no longer that separation between us and God. If we receive by faith that mercy that Jesus gave us, we have a relationship with God. And so today as we talk about that connection that has been made between us and God, we have this bridge up here, this lovely bridge. You can see it. It's it's. A nice bridge. We, we made it a little small just so we could fit it in here. So it's a nice bridge. Um, this bridge is to be an example of the bridge that was gapped, that gap that was bridged for us to be made right with God. Imagine, you know, a larger scale bridge. Imagine like big canyon, a big canyon with huge cliffs you ever walked up to the edge of a cliff? You know, if I walk up to the edge of the stage here, I'm not nervous because it's only two feet down, but if I walk up to the edge of the cliff, anyone like me get a little bit of butterflies, you stay about eight feet back. Um, You know, imagine a large cliff and then a large canyon and another large cliff and you are somehow trying to get to the other side, right? That's what we are illustrating today. That is the state of our relationship to God before Jesus died. This huge canyon Cliffs on either side, no way across, and you can't make it across on your own, no matter how much of a running start. Ever been like me where maybe you're at the golf course and my tee shot goes across a little creek, and I think, I got this golf bag on my back. I get a running start. I can jump over this, right? And you realize about halfway, oh, no, no, I haven't. I have overestimated my abilities to leap this In our house, I grew up in Toronto, the first few years of my life, 
And we lived in this small house, me and my brother and my parents, uh, right in kind of the heart of Toronto. And in our backyard, there was like a city, like storm drain, kind of big, like, not ravine, but like a, like a storm drain that would go through. It was like this uh, mini river kind of thing. And so there was, it was a cement thing. It was way at the back of our property, probably maybe 10 to 12 feet across and six feet deep. The coolest part was at the, right at the edge of our property, it was a tunnel that you could walk through it and go under Young Street, which is a really busy street, and come out the other side right by McDonald's. So for boys growing up, this was like the perfect dream backyard. I describe it now and people are like, that's weird. And I thought, Back then, I like this is awesome. So this canyon, this canyon, I'll call it, in our backyard, you know, about ten feet across. There was a bridge that was there, but for me and my brother and our friends, we didn't want the bridge. What we wanted was a rope. So we got up on the tree and we hung a rope down because we say we're going to swing across this thing. Bridges are for sissies. We're going to swing. We can certainly make it. So we rigged the rope up and uh, we got it on a secure branch. And my brother was, of course, the first one to try it. And so he got what he thought was a good start, and he swung across, and just as he was at the, the end of the rope, he was letting go, and right then, everybody realized, again, he, had, he wasn't going to make it. He wasn't going to make it. And so you know the Bugs Bunny cartoons, old school Bugs Bunny cartoons, the, the road runner, and then Wy poor Wiley Coyote that runs out, doesn't realize he's in the middle of a cliff, and then just looks at the imaginary camera for a second, and then just falls straight down. This was exactly... This was exactly what happened to my brother that day. He was up there, had that look of panic, and then just went straight down into the mud and the water and just splat. Now, if you've experienced something like this, there is the biggest difference possible of how funny it is to the people watching and how funny it is to the person who has... It's, it's hard not to laugh at somebody falling down. I mean, there's endless YouTube videos of just people falling down. It's pretty hard not to laugh. So that was that moment. I will always remember that moment where my brother tried to make it across the canyon and failed miserably. That is an illustration of what we try to do in our sin situation, this gap that is between us and God. And we think, I can make it. I'll get a good running start with going to church. I'll give in the offering. I'll be a good person. My good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. And that's what's going to get me across this big canyon to God the Father so that relationship will be restored. So I'll, have, I'll be a Christian. I'll go to heaven just because I've earned it. I've gotten a good running start. I've swung across on a rope or whatever. And we cannot make it across. Our sin has separated us from God. And we need a way across. We needed a bridge a bridge is needed like this when you are here and you want to get somewhere else. When you're here and you want to go over there and there's a big canyon, you need a bridge. You need a way across. When you're here and you want to be somewhere else and there's a river or a canyon, you need a bridge to get across. And this is describing our situation in our souls. We are here. God is there. And we were created to have a relationship with him. He created us to have a relationship with him, but there is this separation. And we are most unfulfilled in our life when we don't address that problem, when we don't address that situation. We think we can medicate it with all sorts of things. We try to fill it with success or money or relationships or chemicals or whatever it is. We try to fill that void, but there is a gap there. There is a broken relationship. We are here God is there, and we need to find a way across. Here is a broken relationship with God. Here is broken people, sinful people, 
hurt, pain. Here is aimless, lost living. What does here for you this morning, what does here look like for you? Or maybe you've experienced this salvation and you're a follower. What did here look like for you before Jesus came and changed your life? What did it look like for you? Or maybe you're here today. What does here look like for you? Maybe it is bitterness, loneliness. Maybe there's past abuse or an addiction. Maybe here is just depression and anxiety, darkness, just feeling lost and hopeless. Maybe that's here for you. Maybe that's where you used to be before Jesus came in. Here looks different for everybody, but the problem is the same. Here is us and sin, and there is God. We are separated from God. There is God, the author of life, redemption, forgiveness of sin. There is wholeness and fullness of joy and abundant life and the peace that only God can give. We are here, and we want to go to there, right? That's, that's our situation. That describes it. That sums it up. We want to be there. And what we celebrate today on Easter Sunday, today especially, is that a way has been made, that chasm has been bridged by the cross of Jesus Christ. That separation has been taken away, and there is a way to be reconciled to God. When Jesus died and when he rose, he became the bridge, He became the bridge to get us from where we are to where God is. We couldn't do it on our own, but he became the bridge for us. John 14, verse 6 says it like this. Jesus describes it this way. Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declares it. He is the only way. We live in a world where there's a lot of people who say there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. There's a lot of ways to God. There's a lot of ways to fill that void. Jesus declared it. I believe it. The scripture declares it. He is the only way. This death and resurrection was the only way to get to God. We can't earn it, but we must receive it. I mentioned this a few weeks ago as we started this service. Romans 3 verse 25 says this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Atonement meaning the price had been paid, the penalty had been paid. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Those words to be received by faith, we have to do that. It's free for us, it's available for us, this bridge, this mercy, but we have to receive it by faith. We have to receive it by faith. I wanted to read a few verses out of the book of Ephesians today. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. They'll also be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 18 through 20. Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 20. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a group of new Christians. And here's what he says to them in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I love those words, that our eyes would be enlightened, that our eye, the eyes of our heart would be opened to the reality of what is going on with this bridge, with this price that Jesus paid. I love those things. Look how Paul describes this relationship, this free grace, this 
mercy that we receive. Look how Paul described it, that you would know the hope to which he has called you. Man, would you like some hope in this world that it seems to be increasingly hopeless? In, in Christ is found fullness of hope. And the, what, what else does he say? The riches of his inheritance, this inheritance of the presence of God being in us, eternal life, abundant life, the incomparably great power for us who believe, which is the same power God used to raise Christ from the dead. That is the power that is available for us, this hope, this inheritance, this abundant life, to walk through life with power from God dwelling in us. This is what is available. And I echo that same prayer of the Apostle Paul for us as Homestead Church, for each of you this morning, that your eyes would be opened, the eyes of your heart would be opened to what Christ offers to you. Now, you may be a Christian, and you maybe have gone to church your whole life, or maybe somebody dragged you to church today, or you just decided to wander in, or it's Easter, and you needed to come to church on Easter. Whatever the situation is, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. But I would pray for each of us that our eyes would be opened to what is available. If you've been a Christian your whole life, maybe you just kind of wander through life and not experiencing the hope, not experiencing the power of God in your life. My prayer is that your eyes would be open to that availability. Maybe you wandered in and this is maybe the first time you've heard about what Easter really means. My prayer is that your eyes would be opened to the gap that is there between you and God and the bridge that has been made by the mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? That you would receive that, that your eyes would be opened. We are here, and God is there. And he's calling out to each of us. He's calling out to each of us to not only receive salvation, to receive by faith that mercy, to receive what he did on the cross and what he did when he rose again, but also to live every day with that abundant hope and power in our life, hope that affects every day, hope that affects every detail of our life, where we live or used to live with hurt and sin and loneliness and depression and addiction and weariness and living in darkness, living in rejection and bitterness and unforgiveness to where he is, where there is life, forgiveness, hope, power for every day, light in the midst of our darkness, purpose for our life. Why are we here? God has a purpose for your life. This is what has been done. This is what we celebrate today. We say amen to Jesus. You rose from the dead. This is what has been done today. The divide has been bridged. The bridge has been put in place. A way has been made for us to be with God, and we celebrate that today on this Easter Sunday. Nothing separates you from God. Nothing separates you from God. The author of life, of joy, hope, and peace, there's nothing that separates you from that God, that God who wants to be with you, to guide you, to lead you, to encourage you, to forgive your past. No matter what you've done, you're never too far from this forgiveness. That God wants to be with you because he loves you. The most famous Bible verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, remember we have to receive it by faith, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not just eternal life in heaven, abundant life here on earth. So this morning, let's celebrate this new life. 
Let's celebrate this. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, just celebrate today that this is what he has done. Allow that to impact your life. We walk out of here today with shoulders lifted, with heads held high, knowing that God is with us, that our past is gone, that he has redeemed our life. We celebrate once again. We allow that to fill our hearts, and we just thank and praise him. But maybe there's people here today that you have never received that opportunity, or you've never received that forgiveness to receive this new life, to accept this bridge that has been put in place, this bridge that is there for you. So here's what's going to happen in a few minutes. I want to give you an opportunity today to make that decision to receive Jesus by faith, to receive that mercy and forgiveness by faith. I'm going to give you that opportunity. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus rose, you will be saved. This is what the Bible says. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, meaning if you just do something, show a sign. That's why we have people raise their hands in church sometime when the preacher asks you if you want to receive this salvation so I'm going to give that opportunity today in just a minute and here's what we're going to do today and this might be a little weird but it's going to be great ever heard of passing this might feel a little weird this sounds like I'm a parent right now don't worry kids this might seem a little weird it's going to be great I want to encourage people to come up and walk across this bridge. If you would like to do that today this isn't like something everybody has to do but certainly if today you are making a decision that you want to receive the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, I invite you to come up and go from here to there, to walk across this bridge. Just as it, you know, there's nothing magical about this bridge. But it's just a sign. It's just a a signal. It's just uh, something that we're doing to recognize the transition that Christ has made, what God has done going from here to there. So if you are today deciding to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him, I'm going to invite you in a few minutes. I'm going to read one more verse of Scripture, one more passage of Scripture, and then we're going to sing a song together. And as Christy starts to sing, I invite you to come up. Now, you might be nervous, like, this is the worst possible thing. This is why I don't want to go to church because the pastor always says, stand up or do something that's going to put me in front of people. So I recognize that. So I want to invite other people. Maybe you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior within the last few months, sometime this year. I invite you to come up and just do this. Let's just celebrate the bridge that Jesus made. Maybe you have been a part of Homestead Church from the beginning. I would love to have some of you come do this as well. Come recognize what Christ has done for us. Walk across this bridge. In the interest of traffic flow, we're going to start here and we're going to go this way, okay? Because this isn't a a double wide bridge. So we're going to start here. But as Christy sings in a few minutes, I invite you to do that. Don't be, this is, we're, a family here. We're a family here. We want to celebrate what Christ has done. I want to read a couple pa- a couple verses of scripture that talk about the separation that we had with God and what Christ has done now. That there is no separation there. I love these verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? Do we have those words up on the screen? Romans chapter 8. Oh, I jumped ahead. I'm going to read it right from here. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now get this today. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? There was a chasm there. But who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution 
or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Next slide. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.